everybody and welcome to the New Space Podcast. I'm here with Pally. Pally in the house, what's up Johnny? We got a special one today, we're going to talk about hip hop. Indeed, hip hop. And uh, my friend Pally here, uh, we're in a live setting, so we're live in Cardiff right now. Um, and uh, my friend Pally here knows a lot about hip hop. Mm. He's studied a bit of hip hop. He's listened to a bit of hip hop. He's followed a bit of hip hop. He's lived a bit of hip hop, and he's done fun. a bit of hip hop. Yeah, everybody's done a bit of hip hop. Really, they just don't know it. It's all mm. in the rhythm. And so we're going to talk about hip hop because it's a very what's so special about 2023 in hip hop, Pally? Can you tell us? I mean, yeah, everybody in the sort of hip hop community celebrates 50 years of hip hop this year 2023 mm-hmm. uh, especially the the date is the i think the 11th of august 2023 um in a few months um and that is marks the 50th anniversary of the myth of the birth of hip-hop in the south bronx on 11th of august 1973 at 1520 sedgwick avenue when cool dj herc uh, his sister actually threw a back-to-school party or a birthday party or something, and cool DJ Herc st- DJed at his sister's Cindy Campbell's wow. birthday party, and for the first time apparently, so the myth goes, um, he used two turntables to loop the beat, the break beat, mm-hmm. um, with two amplifiers. So what was that music before? What genre of music was he playing before he produced the two turntables? He was playing he was playing all the time soul music, funk music, mm-hmm. soca music, cheesy tunes probably, uh, R&B, whatever was there at the time, <coughs> right? In the nine, mm-hmm. whatever was there at the time in the late 60s, 19 early 1970s. So he played this music but within those funk tracks that were recorded between the uh, years 1968 and 1972, these funk tracks always had these breaks, like at the beginning, at the top of the track, as well as sort of three quarters into the track. They had these drum breaks where it was just drums and the drummer right. would just go so like, wild. Like as, as the middle eight goes in, it was kind of the drum solo. Yeah, the drum solo. Because you have it with, with rock. It's like with rock, you get more. You come up to the, the point when you're going to go into the guitar solo. Right. Exactly. But some, some rock songs, of course, have the guitar solo, the bass solo, yeah. the, the yeah, drum yeah. solo. But of course, this is... Uh, what it makes hip hop hip hop? Why was it? Why did, did do you know why it was called hip hop? So wait wait we need to okay, first okay. think about the the breakbeat. Always right? too we fast. need to, we need I to think about the breakbeat before we think about hip hop because the breakbeat those those eight bars of of funk of, of drum solo that that exist that happened in these songs would then be used by the DJ um, and using two records of the same of the same breakbeat and looping it. So right? when you say breakbeat, like tempo? No, like breakbeat is just the, the drum beat, oh, just right. the drum beat, the drum just, solo, right? right okay. And played in a funky breakbeat way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would attract the break boys and break girls, the b-boys and b-girls, mm. who would gravitate to those DJs who would play or extend or be able to extend the drum beats um, longest so that the break boys and the break girls 
could get down on the floor on breaking on these drum beats. And it was this kind of Caribbean connection, I guess, that brought the drum actually to the South Bronx and to New York City in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, Puerto Rican immigrants, mm -hmm. Jamaican immigrants. They brought sort of this idea of drumming on the streets and and just like drumming mm -hmm. into into the city, into the city's music space. And the kids, the second generation of these immigrants from wherever, Jamaica, from from Haiti or from wherever they're from, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, they then started using the turntables and the, the funk beat in the same way to sort of celebrate the drum and the African Caribbean roots of, of of, of reconnecting with the motherland and so on. So it was in that sense, the, the breakbeat and the extended loops of the DJs uh, like DJ Cool Herc um, provided sort of a soundscape, percussive soundscape for this generation and where the dance could develop, the break dance, the breaking could develop. Um, and then once you had these breaking crews, these kids like from different crews, then we can start thinking about a culture because they started battling each other mm, and, mm. And, and and taking the gang fight onto the dance floor. Right? Is culture and, always about war in some, in some level? Is Whether it's a war of ideas war? or is it a war of like, mm. like the actual physicals because sometimes two cultures just clash to a sense that they end up uh, fighting each other literally with tanks and missiles. So, mm. I mean, is that is, is that part of I mean, the yin-yang of the whole getting along with each other. I mean, I guess when you talk about culture as a sort of a fixed thing, then yeah, maybe that might be true. But I kind of tend to think of culture as, you know, more culturation, what you do and what you hope to be in the future. So when you grow up and you're 15, 16, an immigrant kid or marginalized kid in, in the Bronx, then you're thinking about your future, right? You, who you want to be. Um, and I think that's where culture actually happens because these people who created hip-hop, they were really young and they were really marginalized and they were not sort of... Again, was it the marginalization that was a warfare against them that sure. made their culture express as well? Sure, and does that yeah. then create an argument for whether or not we should suppress people so we can see a cultural expression? <laughs> I, mean, I know that's extreme, I know that's extreme, I'm just asking the question. No, I wouldn't go so far. I mean, I wouldn't like whip them, make them play the violin faster. But but, but that but that is in in some ways a racist. Uh, it could be used as a su white supremacist or a racist argument because mm -hmm. it because it because the idea of the the black in, in especially in American culture, I guess, sort of the black performer, right, or athlete, which is in some ways the same thing, right. That's where black people until very recently you know, could make it into becoming millionaires like Michael Jordan or like mm -hmm. all the artists, right? Like Prince or whatever, Michael yeah, Jackson, yeah. you know, like all of these people um, were able to make it in the performances, performance arts and in the, in the sort of, in, the, in, in sports, right? So to become, so in some ways, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but this, this sounds to me like a difficult argument to make, right? Or like a difficult Thought, just, actually, yeah, you too. Like, I know you like making difficult arguments, oh, man. seeing if it works, yeah. seeing if it fits. Um, man. So, what, I, I mean, 
when I think of I I think I think back to was it Marvin Gaye who when he was like on heroin and having loads of trouble and stuff like you know he was still living with his mum because back then he couldn't you know you didn't get paid much you couldn't really afford mm. much do you think hip hop bought these guys affluent straight away or were they just the same were they just I mean was it just suddenly like they were all star studded diamond studded wearing the best clothes and 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 that's what spurred on the the young generation like oh I can make it I can have the nice car I can have the right the, but that comes late that comes in like mid 90s yeah, yeah right yeah. that comes like 25 years or so later but when people were actually making money and then you you had the whole bling bling era and you had the whatever the the, so the, the, the hip hop mogul right the, the self made black yeah. male entrepreneur the in a suit daddy, yeah type uh, yeah let, let's 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 get and jump on every fad and trend because that's where the money lies i mean money, they were just money. celebrating capitalism right yeah so yeah. so they were exchanging sort of the the white super rich face that was seen in the media and put a black face on that right and and that's how they caught attention everybody's attention right mm -hmm. because that is in some ways dangerous to american white supremacy because now you have like you know a black man who is like not is powerful in terms of the economic uh power right so so that was a threat in some ways so in some ways that is i feel for me the first scene of that bling bling era is in the movie wild style um <clears throat> where busy b starsky wins uh a, a freestyle contest right and the, he gets a hundred dollars that's in, in 1981 or something it's just a kid from the street right who can rap he goes into this club and he wins this freestyle contest. he gets a hundred dollars a bottle of champagne a limousine for like four hours or something so he takes his friends and like some ladies into the limousine with a bottle of champagne he's got the hundred dollars and they're chilling in the limousine and they're going to the holiday inn <laughs> I and, and that in that, and it's not and, very glamorous. And <laughs> in the in the limousine, like like Billy B. Starsky, like everybody drum, like everybody snap their finger, you know, and he goes like and spits this really smooth, this, spits this really smooth freestyle rhyme, you know, and he talks about, you know, Mercedes Benz, and he talks about money, and he talks about the Holiday Inn and the fine ladies. Mm -hmm. But the thing is. This kid didn't have anything. He just had hundred dollars for a night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, but, but the point on, is that imagination, that imagination of, mm -hmm. you know, like of hip hop, where you can be that for the moment, mm -hmm. right? You you don't have to. You could just take your piece of of the capitalist cake, right? Yeah, you yeah, could just yeah, take yeah. it and be that and celebrate life for a moment. And I think that was super important for for kids growing up in in a very you know hopeless place like 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 the bronx or new york city in in the 1970s so so how do you uh, how does one explain the beastie boys then i have no idea how to explain that <laughs> i mean that's a that's a hardship to think because mm. i mean for for me like there's this obvious cultural expression this black cultural expression and suddenly in the middle of it uh the right. beastie boys who just completely and utterly rock the shop but, but the thing is like the, the bronx or new york's was was multicultural right it was a, mm -hmm. a multi-racial space right so you had 
white kids who are as marginalized, right, growing up in slightly different places, like in the North Bronx or in, in other places in Queens or something. So you had that connection, you had Latino, you had like people from Africa, you had immigrants, you had like Middle Eastern people, you had Koreans, you had all these people already there in some ways, right, who were, who were contributed to that culture. And uh, so I think to just say it was, yeah, it was it was mainly ninety nine percent a black thing, mm -hmm. but you know, but there was always there were always elements of you know white participation. Everyone knew Eminem was going to come and then leave again eventually. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Eminem, but but there but there are several people also in the background, yeah. not necessarily performing, but you know, like actually, you know, managing and like carrying crates into the into mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. club or whatever they're driving or whatever they were doing right so they were friends they were friendship yeah, yeah. circles that are multi um well i was, I, multi I, I saw like a, a microcosm version like i don't know here a microcosmic example of that mm. the other day in the city center of cardiff actually in mm. a queen street some reggaeton rap band were doing some some rap video in, in mm. Queen Street and jumping all over each other and trying to look cool. Mm. And uh, and these guys were probably in their like 30s and and 40s and etc. Mm. And I had this kid who must have been about 16 and 17. He was on the side chatting up all the 16-year-old girls like, he does what, that's what his job is. Mm. And that was very hip-hop. Mm. That's very hip-hop. Like, you Wh know. Why was that hip-hop? Mm. Because... The, the the I I mean, it for a lot of music I, f I find that it's like uh, a lot of music was male orientated probably it was like mainly focused around male but hip hop stirred up male and females in roughly the same ways for very sexy music in general and mm. I think there there's like it's known for being very sexy I mean you, you can't help but to look at some of the videos and say. Ooh, those guys know how to party. There's a lot of uh, twerking going on. I mean, before even it had a name, before twerking had a name, you saw it a lot in in it. But it was that like just '90s hip hop? Was that something that that progressed over time? It, it was was the '70s and early '80s hip hop the sanitized sort of like white lines sort of stuff, and then and then later on it emerges into to something that's much more onyx and right. And uh, uh, you know all of the bad, badass, easy E's and stuff coming into it. Mm. Was that was that the way? How do you see hip hop? Because you're an actual like you've done scholarly works about hip hop. Mm. So I'm like uh, trying to understand it from a basis of how I experienced it and from my own perspective. But uh, I mean, I I obviously know my perspective is is of a, a white man. Mm fundamentally who's growing up in a very white life i'm i'm a white man mostly and, uh, <laughs> mostly i got uh, a little bit of this and a little bit a well little, you're little yeah also. for the people at, at home you're you're uh part german and part indian right that's that's true yes which means that you've got like part white man and part not white man but you know the thing is the indians also call themselves white the the, the they actually call themselves aryans Right, so <laughs> so there's <clears throat> they they saw this right now. That's a complex easy. idea for me to take right? in. Right so now. in some ways, my father is also a white man. He's and also an Aryan. Your father is an Aryan. That's the ideology that people have, oh, right? Wow. Because he's quite 
quite light-skinned, and he comes from the north. He comes from the oh the, yeah. The I suppose mountains. if you're going to compare it to a Tamil or Sri Lankan, then you, you, is that is that, is that what I'm thinking? Variety of skin color everywhere, but mm -hmm. the the point is that there are particular ideologies associated with the North Indians, and then in that sense, they are also considered within the Indian racial ideology and economy. They are also white. Indians, mm -hmm. in that sense, right? Not as white as the Britishers, but, you know, a it, bit white. It, I mean, but is that partially because of the shared history with, I mean, in, in the, the, the Indian Raj and then the British Raj? And they were basically like, it was amazing. I've done a, a bit of research into um, that era mm. of India. And it's really interesting to find out how the uh, British found it really easy to take over India. Within a couple of years, they basically taken over the entirety of it because all they did was insert an administrative function where um, all underneath was already an administrative function mm. that was just going to be taken over from the top. Mm. Um, so it was a really easy process to turn it from from uh, turn it into the, this what India became mm. eventually. Um, because you've you've talked about. Uh, hip-hop in India. Now, mm. that will be mind-bending for some people mm. in the West. I mean, how many people have heard Indian hip-hop? Right, right. Yeah, Indian hip-hop is big now. It's, 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 a, it's a main, it's one of the main urban cultures, uh, you know, so that is also commodified by big brands and like Pepsi-Cola or whatever. Like How long has that been for? Like, yeah, how like in the last, you know, 10 years, 5 mm -hmm. to 10 years, you know, rappers, big rappers came up. There was a film called Gully Boy, uh, 2019, Gully Boy. Think, which was a mainstream mm -hmm. Bollywood film, which like represented underground hip hop in Mumbai. And that was a huge hit. Mm -hmm. And um, that really sparked uh, a, a hip hop wave in India, you could say. Um, so you've got, you know, festivals and you've got club nights and whatever social media people blowing up on you know youtube and everything so there's there's a lot of activity going on yeah india yeah, yeah, um yeah. but when i first went in 2013 it was it was just emerging right so there were all these breakers i was in delhi and there were all these breaking crews and graffiti crews and people would just like experiment with we, the we, forms we, of hip-hop yeah. how how did that manifest in india in Indian culture, like how did that manifest? Did they, was there a mimicry to it? Like, did they look at today? Did they like, wear baseball caps and sure. or did they? Uh, yeah, kind of like you know, because I, I mean that's I'm not saying it's 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 the wrong thing because that's exactly what I did when I was into hip hop when I was young. You know, yeah. I I got a Raiders hat. And nice. it was the sexiest Raiders hat around. <laughs> I, told, I told someone the other day, I, I stole the money out of my dad's cocktail cabinet <laughs> to, to buy it, and I didn't feel a bit of guilt. I, I, I've undervalued it before, but I think it cost £18 mm. in the amount of It was like a top-grade hat. I felt yeah. like hip-hop. I felt like hip-hop. That's it, the caps. Yeah. All yeah. my friends were hippies, and I was in a sense of hippie. I just listened to, to, to hip-hop on occasions, and I loved yeah. it, yeah. I mean, yeah, like the clothing and like styling to be different, right, mm -hmm. is, is the main thing because you want to come out of the mainstream of what Indian masculinity offers you 
you know, which is quite unified and quite... What does that look like? What does Indian masculinity white. look like? like? The concept of that I mean, for, there are many for a white man. Like, different masculinities in India and different cities and so well, on. Well, I mean, but, you know, we, we live in the same area, yeah, so we see that there's loads of Indians around here. Mm. It's like a fantastically rich area of Indian right. families. Right. And, um, and, you know, I, I very... What, I, what they come across to me like as a whole if I was going to use tar them with a homogenous brush I would say that they, they're really really polite um, really like you know they don't want to get too involved in your life too much they, they're very like you know cautious about getting involved but they're also cautious about trusting you <laughs> like that those are the things that that that, that come across for me mm. um the kids have seemed to have no boundaries which i kind of love because mm. <laughs> because i mean that's that's really good they just run up to you and start talking mm. to you you know mm. that's is 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 quite fun um but is 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 what i see of indian people over here representative of indian people in india no i wouldn't i wouldn't say so but because i i wouldn't like do a cultural argument and say because you are Indian you behave in it or you have yeah, particular yeah, yeah. character traits it's more to do with where you live and what position you have in the city or in the social environment so is it live. is it still based within like very much got the caste system sort of true but like in a place it? like Delhi like all of that gets jumbled up because you have so much in migration mm -hmm. so you have so many people coming in from different backgrounds and you don't know the caste systems of a you know how the intricacies so of, so i know uh, yeah i mean so, we we don't understand i mean most people don't understand the caste system because in right. this country caste system stopped being used a long time ago it was, i think there was a, a version that was kind of served them mm. it was kind of like a, a caste system um mm. but basically like that idea that there's loads of different castes or is is it like a local so each yeah, locality yeah. has yeah. its own sort of like yes version right. and and people from like other places you, you can't read caste because because you need to recognize someone's caste to the language is that what are. uh b-boys are in hip-hop and in the ghetto then are they like different castes who are stuck in this system of servitude and slavery and kind of like they're all from slightly different localities and that is represented in how they then um act and behave well, I mean, I just like when you come to a place like a mega city like Delhi, which is like, changing <coughs> all the time. I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine. You can, you, you, you need to find your place in that society. And when you're like a 15, 16 year old kid, and most of these kids uh, didn't have, or they had their their future already planned for them, right? So that that is the thing. In India, you have or you have your path planned. Mm -hmm. Your dad expects you to do this or that, right? Or you are. You are bound to be take over your dad's or your mom's business, or you need to work like horrible hours in some supermarket or some some petrol station or yeah. some call center in the middle of the night because you need to make ends meet, right? So you've got all of these these limited economic opportunities, but then you've got people in the hip hop scene who are also very affluent, right, and who are just chilling at home because their dad is a lawyer or something, and they're just making beats on their, like, funky computer, you know, mm -hmm. and they, like, live a comfortable life, and they have, like, a driver and, like, 
two motorbikes you know, you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. just like they're just chilling right and they're like but they're also part of that hip-hop scene and so hip-hop brings those people together so you've got like this rich lawyers kid making beats on a great computer and income people who are like really disadvantaged and really but they have something to offer they have and they're they just have. chilling and recording a tune yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah have something to offer which right. is the ability to actually do it in the first place and the confidence to to take that step to make sound right. come out of your mouth and not, right. not not have a not worry about the judgment that comes back from and, the, you. and they get valued for their skills in hip-hop rather yeah, than course, for you know ca yeah. put into a particular caste or social position so it's like we it, 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 yeah. in that case could you see it if you're you're living with an indian society is it kind of that you're um, escaping into an imaginary world because sure. you'll go straight back into the game. Is that what hip hop is as well? Is that yeah. hip hop escaping into the imaginary yes. world? Because and nearly every yeah. single time I listen to hip hop lyrics, I mean, I I listen to uh, at the moment my my favourites, uh, <laughs> Bus Driver, no. Aesop Rock, no. nearly all oh. of the time. I love Aesop Rock. Oh my god, I I don't know how many times I've listened to each one of just silly um but you know i like that sort of like thinking man's rap mm. <laughs> uh, yeah so I, I forgot what i was thinking thinking about then because i started thinking about how dreamy aesop rock was <laughs> wow if i was gay i'd be into him he's a beautiful man yeah, what yeah, a beautiful yeah. man so so what what got you into hip-hop then what was your like first love my, 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 I, I mean, I didn't understand. I didn't, I, I always listened to, um, loads of different records because we had, uh, my sisters had, uh, now that's what I call music and, and it, it hits 1998 or whatever, or whatever year it was, um, all through our life. So I always had like a range of things to listen to, but we also like a really eclectic family because we grew up in the 17th century. <laughs> we listened to a lot of folk music and we listened to a lot of other stuff that was, uh, it was a lot of rock, a lot of Queen, a lot of Guns N' Roses happening when I was young, you know, really good rock. But that rap was just something. He caught my sisters first and it was my, my dad. He, uh, he wanted to watch Tutti Frutti. Yeah, German television. I think you know what I Tutti know. Frutti was. Uh, for people at home who don't know what Tutti Frutti was, it was a German game show where w suddenly women would get their boobies out and run around. <laughs> and my dad was desperate to have Tutti Frutti. It was on RTL, if I remember. And uh, and <laughs> so, so we got we got Sky from my dad's sick desires <laughs> to see very grade A boobies. Um, and, and with that came the OMTV rap. Uh -huh. And that was just like, what the hell is going? My sister's just fell straight mm. under. Uh, I mean, we still kept all of the, the, the we, we loved such a range of music, the whole family did. Uh, but rap was just something special, just caught on. But and, and from very early on, then when you met people in those days, when it was like, uh, like it's still late on, um, but it's like late eighties, early nineties, uh, mid nineties. When you meet people who are into rap, it's like a real former unit. Mm. And you're you're in a special little bubble, mm. and uh, eventually, eventually, I would kind of like turn again away. From my like all of the my friends who listen to rap all the time, I started also listening to punk and heavy metal. Uh, 
mm. and other things and they were like they couldn't they couldn't understand it we'd mm. always sat around we'd like bought like like, like we each like bring our own like tunes to play of course mm. and like you know everything back then of course cypress hill onyx stuff like that you know really uh oh, man loved it and tapes as well listening to to easy e rapping on mm. on on a little tape recorder would really tell yeah. it was just like it was that there was just a love of it just to, I mean, and, and that feeling it fills you up like mm. a good when you when you're really into a good song there's so many good hip-hop tunes mm. out there if you love someone you love someone and they just like they get they get the flow and it's like the flow of life it's just the flow of life it's just the flow of life and it wraps around you and it just like leads you on and just makes you just follow it and that's what hip-hop it was to me it was just like this fascinating thing that I kept with me my entire life I've never like turned away from loving hip-hop mm. and there's all so much hip-hop to discover it's like every year I get a new free favorite artist that I'm gonna listen to all of their back catalogs over mm. and over again so I mean it's rich it's diverse but then it's only been over the past few years that I learned about where hip-hop originally originated mm. from I, I in a sense, um, I, I, I mean, I've had clues to it around. I remember going to see uh, Madness, a British uh, band, Scar Band, and there's like elements of Scar and stuff and other music that's kind of tied in with hip-hop. And, and they had this great intro that was like the... Uh, the um, how rap was created and basically it, 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 how a scar was created but it basically showed how that like you say the sort of um, African roots sort of Caribbean music got then created a kind of vibe and it went two ways it went multiple ways more than mm. two ways mm. it went a load of different ways mm. and like I, I it, always something be like between those sort of uh, styles of music that just drew me in, just drew me in. So, and I find that that they, they uh, hip hop goes with nearly everything. It goes with nearly everything. There's nearly every type of music. I can always have hip hop, but uh, I mean, of course, some people despise it. I haven't met that many, to be honest. It's always surprising how many people really do enjoy hip-hop. Mm -hmm. I, I remember us talking in the park one time, and someone going, oh, no, hip-hop. And then someone else going, oh, no, I love hip-hop. And someone else going, yeah, me too, I'm into hip-hop. Oh, yeah, I just can't stop. And, and it just it realised that it's actually the majority of people are down now. The majority of people are down. <laughs> um, so what, where, where, was your, where was your... Where was your... Where was your first moment where you first... I wonder what your first song was. I mean, I I can't remember my first song, but but what about that? What about that first song? Because I know mine. I know I know the the one that like I'd heard loads of hip hop, yeah, already. But then there was that song that 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 right. that sealed it for me. Right. That meant that forever I would listen to that tune, mm. and it was like one yeah. of the best moments of. Uh, rap yeah. ever yeah uh, for me that was far side passing me by uh -huh. and i haven't stopped i mean i learned learned it really straight away and i haven't stopped that I, I suppose just afterwards as well gangster's paradise was just so epic it was just so silly mm. i mean in general and coolio in general yeah. we, we, so, but that era of rap was like a bit more tongue-in-cheek right, yeah. um well produced but not innocent mm. not like what was like uh, had been before and was coming which was one was like violent and the other was kind of like um 
violent on the eyes, the ears, mm. the, the misogynistic, mm. I suppose, mm. abundance. Mm. Um, so where do you see hip hop is going? Where do you see hip hop is going? Where do you see I mean, hip hop is, is not a thing that goes anywhere. Well, hip-hop I felt it was. I felt that in the early noughties that hip hop had lost its way I almost completely because the producers had almost just completely taken over and it was just people who uh, were just overproduced. Mind you, some of them have gone on to to be in, intriguing kind of sort of like caricatures of humanity. I mean, what, what you're talking about is, is sort of like s- small letters hip-hop, right? It's the industry. You're talking about a particular music industry uh, with rappers and producers and managers and whatsoever. With Nas and Kanye yes, West. Yes, exactly. All of these people. Yeah, so, yeah. But that is just like the industrialized commercial element of hip-hop. And that is actually quite distant from the culture of hip-hop. And I think if you think about the culture of hip-hop, then it's not a thing in itself. It is not like something that we can, like, it's not, it's not there. It is what we do, right? It is something that is a collective doing rather than a thing that goes anywhere. So where does the collective doing go then? What do people do, I think, is, is amazing because they are every generation rediscovers the roots and rediscovers and retells the story of hip-hop for themselves. Um, I suppose a lot of um, a lot of the people who are listening to what YF is called uh, grind music or, mm. or what, what I, I, mm. I can't remember what they call it um, the, the really really like dangerous stuff so where people stab each other up in London that sort of hip-hop um, I suppose those people just just get start off on something like that and then learn the wider world of hip-hop and it's just like life itself it teaches you and educates you yeah i mean if you're like even if you if you listen to gangster rap or you listen to like really violent drill or whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter like you can appreciate these things like you can appreciate tarantino or like a horror film right why why is it like morally okay to watch like some splatter horror terrible film Mm -hmm. and think oh this is very good horror film movie making i'm just gonna you know whereas you can't listen to like brutal violent Mm hip-hop isn't that the same thing isn't just that brutality that is represented there just a trope a literary trope isn't it just a a, Mm -hmm. a story Mm -hmm. to tell a, a poem Right, rather than necessarily being real. Like, what, what was that movie where it's like uh, central to Ice Cube's uh, life? It was like NWA's sort of like uh, upbringing or whatever. It was like all coming up, and there was a movie uh, that came out probably about ten years back that told this story of these guys, and I had like loved these guys when I was young, you know. Ice Cube and the lot were just like that was the scene that I liked like like Crimshaw Boulevard is in full swing motherfucker yes. Snoop Doggy Dog hanging it around it's just so dirty down there with Dre and stuff you know I mean it was just like just such such good music come out of it the music that got me in trouble on a fair few occasions and that's what the most big of my hip hop it could actually manifest well, into how did it get you in trouble uh, um <laughs> right okay number one so 
the people I hang around with who were also into hip-hop used to burgle houses. But they didn't used to burgle houses per se. It wasn't like... We weren't we weren't going into houses. I and I say the people I was hanging around with, people always do that. It was like we were doing that yeah. because, you know, we were extremely naughty boys and mm. we didn't have and we'd find we'd find a <laughs> Well most of the time we'd find a house and we'd go in and we'd just call porn lines on the telephone. <laughs> so so at some point they're gonna get a bill and everyone's gonna have an argument in that house about <laughs> who called the porn line. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. That's that's pretty funny. So we didn't wreck places or anything like that. We did set fire to a few outhouses in our time. You know, we used to put all of the graffiti stuff down. But we, we, are, I mean, it was all of the people who were the naughtiest were the people who listened to either hip hop or dance. That's what I found. Mm. I found the rockers tended to want to smoke weed and mm. and do drugs over there. You know, mm. and stuff like this. And I loved that. I loved that mm. as well. I like mm. get a bit of gone. A bit column B, but there was nothing like being really. It, 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 Cardiff was a bit of a boring place mm. back in the day mm. in the nineties. Like most of it wasn't there. Most mm. of what you see today wasn't there. So, so there was not much to do, and there were some really rough areas. Mm. So a lot of the time, you know, we used to get a bus tripping. We used mm. to get bus ticket, and we used to go around just like all day ticket, just mm. going from place to place mm. in Cardiff, looking for freebies at restaurants, causing trouble, lighting bins on fire, whatever. You know, doing the stuff and hip hop, I think, was, was your soundtrack. Style. Yeah, yeah, of course. That was your soundtrack. And, but isn't that like the, that imaginary world that you were talking about earlier, about the kids at Delhi, right? You asked me, is, is that an imaginary world? So it's the same thing with you, right? In your in your experiences mm -hmm. there, it was the soundtrack and the lifestyle <laughs> to to growing up. You nearly got me knocked out one time because I I was I was repeating I can't remember if it was a Snoop Doggy Dog line and I used the N word on someone who's mixed race. Oh, mixed race, whatever you you'd say. Uh, I'm not even sure if that's it. You're allowed what you're allowed to say nowadays. It was mixed race. Yes, it was mixed race. What does that mean? I don't know. Are you allowed to say it? I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to say it. And uh, and and he got very angry with me very quickly. And I was like, No, man. I've been listening to Snoop Doggy Dog. And he was like, All right then. Yeah. And that was it. It was like the, the so it nearly got me into trouble. Nearly ah. got me into trouble. Um, but it saved you, sort of give you credibility to yeah, use yeah, the yeah, N words yeah, yeah, as a mixed race that, person. I mean, <laughs> I mean, as a mixed race person myself, I kind of feel, um, you know, that it's that it's important to respect these boundaries. But that doesn't mean that a kid, you know, needs to learn that respect. So you need to learn. So oh, actually, I've touched a border over here, or that's a boundary, mm -hmm. right? That I can't cross because I can fuck around a bit but I can't actually like the kid was hot at taekwondo he was right. hot at taekwondo yeah, and, yeah. and like the, the words I'd just been listening to too much Snoop Doggy Dog it just like made so much sense to everybody mm. <laughs> everybody right. knows everybody knows you know yeah. and I had been listening to way too much yeah. Snoop Doggy Dog my my um I, I what coincided with that period I was very lucky something there was two events that coincided um with this uh period of getting sky being introduced to hip hop um one of them was my sister 1am uh, competition to run around HMV um records were just about to go out of fashion mm. uh they, they it was CDs were coming in mm -hmm. 
And so they were trying doing competitions where mm. you could run round and for a minute you collect as many records as you possibly can. Mm. Um, and then you keep them and then they're like, oh, look how kind we are. And uh, she managed to get some amazing records. I mean, amazing. Mm. And getting proper records. That was, I mean, mm. didn't care about the CD mm. if you wanted the rest. And, uh, and, and so she, she came back with a massive, like a proper armful of amazing records. Uh, some of them were, were hip hop, but uh, <laughs> but the um, I'm thinking about what the other thing was that coincided uh, with this period that I was thinking then. Oh, my mind! But my yeah, mind. record digging is another thing that is there was a feeling for me like um, at one point in my life because I was like really into DJing, like with a couple of my friends we had like decks and we had like sound systems and then started buying records right mm. so we like my good friend Tim and I like 19 or something and we decided we're gonna go to New York motherfucking city to buy records how cool is that right? we had mm. some money and we took a flight to to go to New York it was just after 9-11 actually it was just a couple of months later and we were in there in this little hotel like in Manhattan and we were about to go like digging for records, you know, and yeah, wow, yeah, we yeah. bought like for thousand dollars or something. We bought records, you know, like oh loads of records, white labels, like stuff we've never heard about. We didn't even listen. Just went into record shops and just like grabbed like New York rap, you know. Yeah. And it was just like, and there was so much out there. It was just like, and there were like people on the streets selling like their CDs and everything. Artists themselves, right? So we bought a couple of CDs of. Of artists just like on the street corner you know which is like some of this stuff is amazing right and mm -hmm. I still have it and can't remember the names they never got famous or anything you know but they had like their two record 12 inches out and I grabbed one of them by accident while I was there just for this moment in time you know so so, so these these trips and these kinds of experiences right they for me shape shape my understand or my experience with hip-hop it wasn't so much particular songs or it was it was me like engaging with that culture yeah, yeah, you know yeah, and going yeah. to places and like and like talking to people and like experiencing the world through hip hop um yeah for, for me for me for me i just remembered what the other thing was that that drove me as you were saying uh that was uh or that that uh, pushed me to listen to a lot of hip hop during that period it's actually a very sad thing and maybe that's why it got pushed out of my head um, but but my uh, dad, my mum and my sister and a uh, friend of the family and a French exchange student were in a really bad car accident in like 1989. My dad was in a wheelchair for two years and then my sister got a load of compensation. My dad didn't because the police lost all the evidence. It was an off-duty police officer who was drunk who was driving the other car. But my sister got a load of uh, money. She got a fair few thousand. And so uh, like, like uh, that meant she could, uh, and that was a lot back then, you know, mm. about three thousand and meant she bought a really amazing sound system with disc changer mm. a load of cds all of the the stuff she possibly ever like wanted on cd mm. now was was available to us and stuff mm. so that was the other big but again like you saying it's like the exchange of culture you wanted to be in a part of it for 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 me that it, it made sense the culture i was already living in was one where we were like 
poor kids in a really run-down industrial town. It was like the mines had all closed down the previous two decades. Mm. The steelworks were closing down. Uh, by the time I'm reaching 13, 14, and I'm really into my uh, uh, hip-hop, my dad's losing his job in the steelworks and stuff, and there's like the city doesn't look like it's revitalizing anytime soon. And again, everybody feels like they haven't got money. They feel really sad. They feel really mm. dejected by uh, the prevailing culture. They're in a place that is only has no hope and etc. And maybe that's one of the reasons why a lot of us uh, in areas like that chose to cling mm. on to a music that is representative of that. You know, of that sort of like a dejected society or dejected people. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, nice. what what did you cover when <laughs> uh, when you looked at uh, hip hop in a more uh, from a, a professional uh, academic lens if a, a man of the mortarboard as you are you know what a mortarboard mm, is I yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Of, course, of course you know what a mortarboard is how dare i what's um what's a mortarboard in german we don't have that concept. oh my god well you use mortarboard we don't gra graduate oh oh we don't oh celebrate that's we just get a, like a sh like a shitty handshake and a, and yeah, a certificate what, i think that's what we get <laughs> actually no they make it nowadays i mean they really adapt to the culture of wanting to party there's a lot of mm. that there's a lot of wanting to mm. uh, adapt to the the culture of partying um so what what did you uh, what what did you do within your studies about hip-hop then how did you mix that in I mean, I'm a linguist, so I I always bring it back to language, right? So I don't want to go into. Do you this. say linguist or do you the linguist or is it linguist? It's linguist actually. But you want to say linguist. I, I always say linguist. I, I just speak <laughs> the way I speak. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't mean to. My accent. I don't mean to spot out your silly accent. Uh, I don't mean to do it. <laughs> anyway, no, it's very good. I linguist. No, I prefer linguist. Lingo I'm a linguist because it's a, a linguist. Lingo Linguist. Yeah, if you should say it slowly, then it's just linguist. Linguist. <laughs> I'm sure it's a word that's ironic <laughs> that you, you you say it differently. <laughs> Sociolinguist, actually. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. So like so, but what so does every, that mean? Everything <laughs> is about uh, my idea about life, human life, and uh, culture is basically everything is language. You can't think outside of language. Language is our entire reality and everything we think and feel and believe is in some ways encoded and mediated through language so mm -hmm. you can't step out of language um so that's like a sort of a radical point of view of mine so but anyway it's i that is extremely radical that, that is <laughs> that is uh hip-hop i just try to approach it in a in a very diverse way so i i kind of try to in my first 10 years of researching hip-hop, I just tried different methods of looking at hip-hop and just tried to really expand my repertoire of how hip-hop can be analyzed and how hip-hop has been conceptualized by others, by other scholars, as well as practitioners themselves, uh, because that barrier breaks down in hip-hop scholarship to a degree because, you know, some, most of the hip-hop scholars are practitioners themselves and some practitioners become hip-hop scholars later. 
So and some people think they're hip hop scholars. So right, and everybody has the right. So at the yeah. moment, what I'm what, what I'm trying to do is like try to think about uh, hip hop as a decolonial and uh, southern theory, as a southern theory, a theory of the south, south um, that is sort of opposed to and different from northern theory or Euro-American standard theory, all the social theory that we brought, you know, since enlightenment. Okay, I think I kind of understand that, but that's really hard. That's a really hard concept. So, so bring it back to um, social theory South. So right. you're talking about South America, no. uh, South South USA. No, I'm what, what, what no, do you I'm, mean? the South is a metaphor here. Okay. The South is not a geographical ah, place right, 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 okay, that yeah. you can point to on a map. You can't put your finger onto the global south to show you a map where's the global south you can't show it to me in geo so what does the global space. south represent then? The, the global south represents the the darker side of modernity that is coloniality it represents those who have been to some extent uh to less and more extent um been dominated and oppressed by coloniality the, pe the, the people of the mega cities of the future <laughs> that is most many people who live in the southern hemisphere you know in whatever central africa or in latin america or in east in south asia or whatever they do you know live in some sort of hardship right there's yeah, not yeah. a lot of infrastructure often there and they they don't make a lot of money so they're actually really disadvantaged so they are definitely the global south but then you have the global south right down here on the street with the illegal immigrant who lives just down there, you know. So that is the global south too. Mm -hmm. The sex worker who is sort of illegally or whatever, right? Global south, right? Right yeah, yeah. here. So Ooh. it is not a geographical space. It is uh, a, a, a sort of a metaphor for the suffering caused by capitalism and colonialism mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and Europe's expansion, right? Um, and in, yeah, in, in Europe fucked over its own people first before they fucked over other people right to be very clear like colonialism starts in england and it at first like took the north and the west and the southwest and wales and scotland right mm -hmm. so all of that kind of before they went over to like caribbean or africa or like uh, asia they they first started dominating the people over here. Yeah, on this yeah, island. yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, right? I mean, a lot of people don't really understand that around the world. No, is that, and I try and keep, I keep trying to express this. You know, there's five separate genetic heliotypes, separate tribes of the past, in just Wales alone. Hmm. There's a about ten up north. There's two in Scotland. There's, uh, there's two down here. The Cornish and Devonian people are very separate people. They're, they're you know, uh, and then there's the, the French who live in the southeast of of Britain, and those French co colonized the rest of, they, you know, they uni they unified, they unified us. They put us all under the same banner, and they made us. They made us like this United Kingdom. But the um, point is not so much to identify who is the bad guy in the colonial game, whatever the white man of of England or something. That's oh, not the point. But that white man of England, though. But the point is, the point is that everybody, once coloniality or colonialism has taken root, you take part in it, right? So you had, of course, like for instance, Indians 
doing the dirty work of tax, taxing black Africans in East Africa, right? Mm -hmm. So they brought Indians in to take part in the colonial bureaucracy, to, you know, to, to sort of be, mm -hmm. be there and like, uh, you know, take the taxes from the local people. Is that right? what Gandhi was doing originally? No, Gandhi was... He was a lawyer, wasn't he? He was a lawyer, yeah, but yeah, yeah. in South Africa, there were, of course, so many indentured servants, so many yeah, Indians yeah. Um, already, so he found a community there. But the point about Southern theory is then to, to formulate something, a theory by these people, not, not like apply a Northern theory, take some Marx <coughs> or some Bourdieu or whoever, Foucault or whoever is there, and say, oh, we're gonna, oh, we're gonna now I'm analyze. Serious guy, I mean, I, I've, I've been smoking in this, uh, in this podcast. I'm not sure we should speak about Foucault. <laughs> <laughs> scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Go on. But southern, so, so how? And often these, these people don't formulate theory, right? Because their lives are hard, mm -hmm. right? But hip hop is actually a the. If you think of it, uh, is, is, is a, is like. A library of of philosophical thought and of of revolutionary thought and of 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 narrative and of reporting. It's an archive of of folk theory, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, by that particular marginalized group. Well, know? I mean, there's, there's, there's a certain element of like when you hear Woody Guthrie or um, uh, uh, Bob Dylan, mm. some tracks, you know, you feel that, that, that sort of like folk telling story at high speed and, and right. having the rhythm there is, is... And like if you take all of the hip-hop songs, right, and all the lyrics and all the philosophies that were, you know, created through these, through these kind of, you know, then you kind of feel, oh, actually this is, a, that could be seen as a science right it mm. is a, a type of uh, analytical thinking and it is a kind of critical thinking right so all of these things can in some ways i think be summarized into a theory that is not unified it's not just one thing right like northern theory is but southern theory is always diverse it is fragmentary it is unfinished Right, so it's very so interesting. It's very, I mean, it makes yeah. makes me think of bus driver. <laughs> Just a lot of his, right. his his lyrics and his the yeah. way he presents his his work is like very, is uh, it, it is uh, it, it is like high speed philosophical anal analytical thinking really right. Right. Uh, theory trying to understand things in a way that is so just <sighs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what it is, right? So it is, if you look at these artists and, and the output of, of these people over the last 50 years, right? It is it's just amazing what a, what a kind of wealth of knowledge hip-hop has produced. Uh, uh, you know, that is that how people can really identify with certain ideas expressed in a song, right? Because you're like, oh, you can feel this rapper, right? You can feel this person, or you can see this graffiti. <laughs> And you kind of go, this I mean, is, this is mad, this is a bad flow, you know? Yeah. So that's what it is, right? So in, in some ways we can, we can think of it as a Southern theory. And then the question would be, what does it do? And in relation to Northern theory, right? What, how can we sort of update um, theorization for the global majority? You know, because that's what I think hip-hop in some ways represents, right? It's the voice of, of the 
majority of the globe. Yeah, yeah the majority is marginalized nowadays. True, yeah. And a system that we kind of create yes. that system for ourselves in many respects. You know, I know, I know that even I report on a certain uh, set of people who, who control most things, but we do enter into a moment of consent when we don't do anything about it. Mm. And hip-hop is a revolutionary uh, act of doing something about oppression or saying something about oppression and standing up, which is something that I think a lot of people miss about it. A lot of people mm. see it as very loud music, but don't hear that nearly every single thing is about freedom, a mm. type of freedom that it doesn't, you don't have to be black or whatever to to, to understand. like yeah understand and connect with in a, a, a fundamental way that changes your per- perception i i mean i'm still thinking i i stay I, 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 keep, keep going keep going because because i mean for a lot of people who will be listening to this um they will not have thought about um hip-hop necessarily in the way uh that you're thinking about there when you talk about southern theory and stuff like that what branch of thinking does that come from? What what area of like philosophy does that come from? Mm. Is that in a sense? I'm I'm asking. Is that something like Marxist? Is that like is that like something that's opposing to capitalists because it's viewing capitalists from mm. outside? So is it other than capitalists? And then if right. it's other, what can we define it as? And yeah. there's only about two or three other sort of things that we could define it as. So what would you see that type of thinking as? So it's what people call border thinking. Ooh, oh, wow. oh <laughs> no. No, no, because no, I'm sure you have naughty. <laughs> border thinking is, is sort of a, a concept called, called by, by Walter Mignolo, who is, who is kind of thinking of it as, a, uh, as thinking from the border of empire, right? Uh-huh. So like thinking at the margins, but not in the uncolonial jungle, in the uncharted, like whatever, uh, wild, savage uh, uh, kind of imaginary, but like at the border of colonial of colonialism and empire right so it is it is in some ways different from marxism because marxism is a grand theory that leads to the revolution of the proletariat and the full equality right wait a minute talking of the proletariat yo <laughs> so for those uh listening at home there is a, a the proletariat came in the door the monkey <laughs> My monkey came in, so uh, you, you may you may hear him in the background because we're having a good, nice little smoke. Yeah. Talk about hip hop. So continue with. Uh, so, so hip hop or southern border border thinking is different from Marxism, or any other sort of northern theory that is a grand theory, right? That l- leads into uh, sort of a telos, uh, a final destination of the revolution of the proletariat, and. That kind of, I don't think hip hop is revolutionary in that sense that it actually plans, that it actually plans the, the full whatever revolution of something. Right? It is a subversive culture. It is something that is um, nagging on the on the corner, right? But it and it's kind of annoying you. Not fully folk. Not fully in with the, the like not down with, because yeah. yeah, it's it's at the border, right? It, it it sits at the border. It sits on the fence, like the graffiti writer in the train yard, right? Sits on the fence, waits for the train to come in, unseen, right? Goes in, writes the thing, goes out again, you know. So 
or whatever the breaker who's in the cipher like trying to like look unconcerned you know like mm-hmm. at, you know but like full of energy and all of these kind of feelings i think um practices as well as ways of thinking in hip-hop culture as a whole is can be considered some sort of border thinking that is not like northern theory we need to get away from this idea that you know these theories compete and whatever Marx said this and Foucault blah 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 and he disagreed <laughs> with them like we need to get away from these these kind of heady kind of ways of like conceptualizing everything perfectly right mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we need to like work together and vibe and like that's hard though that's hard because people do tend to like you know uh, it, I, I, I think a lot of people who use Marxist ideology don't even know what they're doing at the time and it's like uh, it's not even Marxist ideology anymore it's like um, a weird like cap um, morphed within capitalism like form of Marxism. I mean don't get me wrong I think hip-hop has Marxist elements in it right and and some hip-hop like they're prez you know they're like they're black Marxists right so there's there is and like I don't I wouldn't say Marxism is necessary for me at least it's not like an, a, a thing that I need to follow in in all its detail or something but it's an inspiration of a of a great thinker who understood injustice and inequality and who really laid the foundations of studying inequality so in that sense we can use Marxist ideas and and ways of thinking uh, to analyze our world problems nowadays without necessarily subscribing to some sort of final revolution or, or I, end goal, I, okay, right? I, I completely agree with what you're saying yeah. there I'm, and I, a lot of people who will be listening to this will not be on a Marxist train at all um, and I'm not I'm, I'm very much like I, I see that the, the problem is with and 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 there's like perverted versions of Marxism, of course, and there's like there's a a brand of uh, like Leninist, modern Leninist style propaganda that's been uh, co-opted by intelligence agencies and other, and mm. no one knows what's true or false, and it's led us to this sort of time uh, that we're headed towards fifth generation warfare where no one will know what's real or false and people find that within the realm of that of propaganda of all things marx so a lot of them will be like hard to hear um we can and i agree with this we can uh look at all of the elements of marxism and not have to take them on as a final I mean, like we need to come down we need to like put these people down from their pedestals like marx was just like a dude just like one human who wrote some cool stuff and there were thousands of others and then like others like took on his ideas and thought they were good and started developing these are just dudes so we we need to like just be a bit more relaxed i think about you know reading certain people and then thinking oh we get absorbed in their ideology and no 
read Marx. So are you saying that the, the like problem with Marx and like take some of, of his ideas so is into it, your own thinking? Yeah, That's is it. there a bit of column A and a bit of column mm. B there? Like the people who take on his ideas and see him as some sort of godly figure who everything he said was right or wrong and the people who think that everything he said is wrong because they hate those people. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the field of yeah. Marx scholarship, right? That is like there's a whole discipline around like reading Marx. Right? Yeah, no, I, I tell you, I, I, one of the things that that, um, that I felt was necessary was to, and I couldn't, I, I, I mean, found it really hard to read Marx. I tried to read Marx, so I listened to audiobooks. Over and over. Yeah, I spent actually like, you know, I'd, I'd heard little bits and bobs and I'd, I'd understood and I'd been explained uh, Marxist theory in loads of different ways over time. And I knew it kind of is in the, is <laughs> in the ether, you know, you kind of know. You Also, I, I'm from a place which is a mining uh, town. There's a lot of socialism around here and stuff so obviously you know there's there's a lot of of, of that lingering that sort of communist lark lingering in the background and i'd already kind of yeah taken in uh, understood a lot of it but when i actually sat down and listened to it over and over again i did find it was like almost like laughing in the face of the idiots who don't believe in what he says that's how it comes across in tone. He's like, ha ha, you stupid people, not knowing that this is obviously the way we should do everything. And, and that is one of the problems of Marxism, right? Because it comes from Hegelianism, which comes from a Enlightenment tradition in which the thinker had the, a privileged position of knowing. And the, 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 the writer, right, Hegel himself or Kant or like Marx or whoever, so there was this, uh, there's this scientific superiority right, <laughs> in the 19th century that, that, that led people to make these great statements, right? That, that's, that seemed to us in the 21st century as like uh, completely out of place. And I think we need to understand the, the, the sort of the science uh, and, and the discourse, uh, scientific discourse at the time uh, as well, right? To, to, to really hear the voice of Marx in its in its historical context but so it's it's i think we need to be you know at this one point very careful with like making grand judgments about people and schools um but at the same time we should be a bit more relaxed also with 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 these schools right and i think hip-hop its playfulness uh in in its kind of uh a sense of unity as well we are at the end of the all in the same boat right mm -hmm. um that that kind of unity, I think, that breaks down these 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 schools and these different like being concerned about am I a Marxist or am I a Republican or am I this or this, like just like vibe with the people, you know, and be revolutionary in whatever way you think it that that whatever that means to you, you know, um, and do something, sit on the fence, think at the border, you know, mm -hmm. think think outside of the box, think. You know, imagine your future, um, right? And like, be, become that, right? Transform into something that you want to be, the greatest rapper on the block or the the best B girl, you know, do, in do the you country. Do you mean that comes? I, I mean that that has to be a lot of the solutions that are based around this sort of like um, culture, this 
on the ground very it feels localism it feels like a form of localism as a as a a, a fight back against some grand capitalism globalism so i feel hip-hop might be like another manifestation of uh a fight back against that sort of absolutely thing. i would agree with that yeah yeah <sighs> how are you feeling Right. I'm I'm just thinking about like there's so much there's so much to take in with uh when you're talking about hip hop because we're talking about we, we, we start talking about one thing and we end up on Marx and we mm-hmm. end up talking about this sort because of, there's so much involved, um and there was so much that led to to uh this sort of there was a cultural divide happening in America and there was a real mistrust. Um, during that time because I mean when we're going back to like 1973 and the birth of hip-hop that those were crazy years that was like Nixon just before Nixon like a year before Nixon stepped down this is like Watergate is now in full swing uh, Kent State massacres already happened uh, revolution is on the ground Vietnam has been w- waged over and over there's uh, uh, India's getting the atomic uh, bomb or mm. getting, you know a big big boy or big baby or whatever um, and and there's lots of and and Pakistan was looking for the, the atomic bomb as well. There's so much happening in the world in that time, and uh, they had just been like the black community in America had been through so much negativity. I mean, they, they, their leaders had been murdered on the streets, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just black leaders back then who were murdered on the streets. Mm-hmm. This was like the combination of intelligence and mafia coming together to make the decisions very final decisions uh, using hammers for every every everything uh, you could say because uh, of course Martin Luther King uh, Jr. and then uh, and, uh, and also uh, Malcolm, Malcolm X, X being like really important uh, black leaders and obviously targeted and this is like do you think that's what helped mm. like that sort of like I, I mean the, I, I can't remember, was it 1967 or 1968 that uh, Martin Luther King's mm. uh, supposedly shot mm. uh, by uh, uh, Ray? Um, but it's, it, later on, I mean, he says he didn't do it and the family believes him. And then there's a court case and the court finds that he was uh, uh, killed by uh, people who were somehow connected and working for federal agencies mm. so is that what is a cultural expression a backlash to society um, mm. that's around that was also like a, a fight back because a lot of people have been also uh, like neighborhoods have been fed with drugs mm. and guns as well that was one mm. of the, the the things that i believe the cia mm. were doing during that period um do you think it how, how, isn't it amazing that 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 the what comes back from that from all of that hate is like this happy on the ground we're going to compete in a way that isn't about killing each other how did that lead to killing each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's a really good i mean okay i think violence in america is i mean i i'm not american so i don't know my view on all of this is just 
coming to media to what I know. So I'm, I, I don't speak from any kind of point of authority where I say this is like I, I know what, what happened in 1973 in America. I wasn't even born, right? But the point I think what you're, that you're making is like when it like in some ways stopped violence at the, at the early stages, how did it then be, become part of violence um, and spread across the world, right? So now you have like small neighborhoods, small towns in America somewhere where people listen to hip hop and they're like, packed on the block, you know, with their gun or whatever, you know, because they, 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 they want to perform that, right, with their cap going on, like in some small town, you know, so now hip-hop has spread this kind of idea of the, gonna, of the gangster, Yeah, that's right? what, what I was going to say earlier, mm. just keep where you're, you're fought mm. there, but that's what I was going to say earlier about the movie about uh, Ice Cube and stuff mm. and the cap coming, mm. it, it showed that in actual fact that none of them were actually gangster at all. They were right. all pretending to be gangster, it was all a pretense. Right, so in some ways you could, and people have made that argument, like Trisha Rose, for instance, a, a renowned academic, um, she, she made that argument in, that I've badly rephrased now which is in some ways that the record industries and the and the and the music industry and the culture industry understood that uh, they can market black on black violence mm -hmm. right so these rap songs were about like killing each other or something so there were just a couple of crews probably who, who did like a funny Oh, I'm gonna kill you! And the record company got, signed this crew, right? Mm -hmm. And they got big, and so they understood. Oh, actually, we if if the topic is violence, then that that somehow works, right? Um, and that obviously created a situation in which kids on some like wherever in like some little town or something, even in Europe, right? We're not mm -hmm. just talk, even in my neighborhood, but people were were trying to be mm -hmm. hard because they saw this in hip-hop and they they were like talking and walking like this and they had like weapon, bye bye. weapons weapons on them <laughs> and they tried they got into dangerous situations um and and, and experimented with violence uh -huh. as well right so so in some ways you could make that argument that this is a form of criminalization of of population control to basically say this is how we can criminalize the black communities in the u.s uh, and maybe around the world by by sort of making them want to become gangsters and what they do is they they one of them becomes a rapper right but thousands of them end up in jail or get shot you know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so this is the this is the the, the, and the one story. who does a rapper the, who's a rapper doesn't actually shoot anybody yeah yeah, yeah. so so obviously that because they, you they just still are in their villa right like they don't need to yeah, shoot yeah, anyone yeah. anymore Right, so <laughs> that's yeah. the, that's the paradox, right? Yeah. So, but but obviously that that whole that can be said. It, it so that's why it became violent again, or a, maybe even I wouldn't say a cause, but in you know sort of a, a, you know a, a source, not a source. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, it became part of violence, you know, across the world. And I think that has to do with the, the commercialization and the strategic placement of this music, uh, you know, in 
in white America and in, 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 in the world, right? And we, we know that, uh, of course, the movie Boys in the Hood ended all violence and rap afterwards and everybody made up and was friends afterwards. Is that a thing? I <laughs> know. <laughs> but did you ever see Boys in the I Hood back Boys in the day? In the Hood, oh yes. my God. That, it was that dubbed was... into German. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. That it was funny. You know, it, was, it, was, it was a good... I love, I love Boys in the Hood. Yeah. I, I found, um, I mean, on that subject, I found the, the Germans to be very frivolous with their dubbing. They they like to, they always like, uh, they'd always dub their movies. Yeah, like, I mean, know. people don't, can't follow English, uh, yeah, English, yeah. English films, like, like people, I mean, no. It's, it's interesting because it's such a close language and loads of Germans speak English. Yeah, but it's... And in, in France, uh, like, I lived in France, and nearly everybody in France watches English movies in English with subtitles. Nearly every mm. single one of them, like, mm. it, it, it seemed like a very cultural thing. Mm. Not, not that I'm saying it's bad or not. Yeah. I think we, we, we often do the same. Yeah. Ah, and, and I always once found a kung fu movie, so... <sighs> That's that's something that for a while crossed over as well. Hip hop and kung fu movies right, right, for a very right. short amount of time, like Jet Li and and, and Wu Tang. <laughs> and Wu Tang. Oh, so do you think that most of the the hip hop stars who were the most blah blah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you and all of this were just pretending? No, I mean it's not about pretending. It's it's about as I said earlier. It's it's about creating personas, mm -hmm. like literary personas. Like if you listen to Tupac's entire music, right? He has songs like where he talks about he loves his mom, right? And then the next <laughs> song is like yeah, gang banging, you know. So it's so it's that you that, can't stop himself, that boy. That, that, you better watch out for it. Or it might end up badly. Yeah, that's the diversity of expressions, right? And yeah. it's, it's 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 like 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 a film, right? Or like a like a mafia film. You wouldn't go and say, "Oh my God, the director of a of a Al Pacino mafia film is is completely sick." And like you know, is 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 he just pretending, or is he really like? You wouldn't say that. But a rapper is just like a director of a film. They create a film, right? They create mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. I think a that's scene. what James, uh, Dr. Dre was good at. He was good at, I mean, producing. Producing yeah. like a scene, a movie. Uh, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, producing a soundscape, a story, right? Like mm -hmm. a, a persona. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. for me, rap is always that. I never take seriously the guy behind the mic well like, i don't know insane clown posse i mean no no i mean like in the <laughs> sense like i don't know who these people are i don't know who like maybe rakim is an asshole like i love his music mm -hmm. maybe i don't know you know i don't know who these people are i don't I, but like the point is what they do on the mic that is amazing and i don't necessarily care about if it's re if this guy is really like whatever living that lifestyle or if he just tells a story of you know things that he sees, and or if he's just Coolio, I don't know. Whether he's really living the lifestyle, so I, or whether he's Coolio, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you. But like, Coolio, I love Coolio. I'm not so sure if I like Coolio, but like his raps. But I don't have a problem with the person. Right? I like, prefer Dalvi. Like I, I kind of feel like I really separate the the art from the artist, right? Yeah. If if something touches me, that it doesn't mean that this person is, or that that if this person doesn't do whatever they say on the rap then I kind of think like, oh God, this is a faker. And I, no, it's about, it's about, you know, telling stories. So it, it doesn't really matter 
who you are. You know, you, everybody can tell a story, and that's the beauty of hip hop. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got, I got you there. I got you there. Okay, so to, like we're coming up to the end of this. Uh, tell me, tell me, and the people <laughs> who are home, tell me the things that you've got to listen to. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in some uh, personal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and think of some ones that might be embarrassing as well because hip hop isn't always like you know, like I remember. <laughs> oh God. Okay, I'll start this this diabolical part off. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, mm. the second, the B-side of the cassette mm. and the record was Splinter's Rap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rap? <laughs> yeah, the, the, rap. the rat raps. <laughs> no, and was it, was it dope? Uh, yeah, it was pretty dope. <laughs> no, it was terrible, it was terrible, but I loved it because it was just like it's something that filled me, filled me up with with happiness. But there's some, there's some, I mean, of course, of course, I've got, I've got a certain loves that I, I mentioned earlier uh, with Hip Hop Farside. By by far one of my favorite uh, groups. I mean, Bizarre Ride is one of the best albums ever made, and it's just so fun and so beautiful. And it isn't anything about shooting anybody or anything. And they were in amongst that. They were just so fucking high, mm. and they had a jazz in them. You know, they mm. had a jazz in them. They had a feeling that no one else had a vibe that no one else had. It might have been that they were so high, so very very high, but also. Uh, Bloodhound Gang, mm. which I couldn't help but to love when I got into my mm. d- teenage years. They were, I mean, it was just embarrassing mm. white rap, but it was brilliant. Mm. I mean, it, rap could, you didn't have to be one colour, one shade to be rap. What was the ones that, that changed you? What was the, mm. what was, and it, you don't have to just. I think that. one of the bands for me was like when I was really into rap music and hip hop already, for, had been for several years. And there was Gangster coming in and Guru and DJ Premier. Like, once I, like, I listened to his voice and there was like, oh shit. And so I started like listening to other songs and I was like, fuck, this is like, this touches me somehow. And I listened to like, bought all albums, Gangster albums and really, really got into, you know, like trying to understand how they make hip hop, how they rap, how they do the beats, how they, you know, scratch and stuff, DJ Primo, like all his famous cuts, you know, mm-hmm. and like how they set up the whole song and the whole vibe, the features on these albums are amazing as well. So I really got into Gangster. that was where I did my sort of, like I really started like going deep into, into analyzing rap, rap mm-hmm. music, you know, but then, I mean, it was German rap as well that, that came in. Um, you know, bands like Foreign Disguise, they were big for me, like, this is... How was Falco for you, the Austrian? No, Falco wasn't rap, so Falco, it was like, it was was rap, right, so, but it wasn't, it wasn't... Rapping to the beat! It wasn't like when, when when I listened, when I I saw Falco, as well as the Fantastic and Fear in their song, Dida, right, at that time in the early 90s, but they were rapping, but it wasn't rap, Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Tupac. It wasn't like like it wasn't some badass shit, right? It was yeah. like some kind of approximation of that it, style it, of, of, I, of of singing. 
but it's not European version mm. of Grandmaster Flash, kind of like. <laughs> no, man, Grandmaster Flash was like had like flow. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, and like, Falco had flow. Falco had Falco. flow, but it wasn't. Nah, it wasn't. It was. It the was fantastic. Anyway, it was good. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that this is like <laughs> this is uh, bad music or anything, but it wasn't of the genre hip hop and rap for me. It, for me, German rap kicked in with sort of. Um, you know, in the in the mid late nineties in Stuttgart, especially, and in Heidelberg, you know, in the south of Germany, like there were like all these rappers and hip hop scenes, um, and in Frankfurt as well. Actually, they 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 were like slightly different, right? In in the south, you had more like white kids doing like really intelligent stuff, and in the north, in 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 Frankfurt, you had more like you know like. Turkish and like, Moroccan and Arab mm-hmm. kids, you know, Kurdish kids and, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, black kids, Africans. And like, they were like, they were like pushing out a completely different style. And then yeah. Hamburg came in, you know, and then Berlin came in also just like, you know, really pushing this idea of German gangster rap. Yeah, I saw um, this, I saw this happen in uh, France as well, because mm-hmm. I, I knew loads of, I had lots of French mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. Um, who introduced me to different rap groups uh, in France, and, and it had the same vibe, like all over each, each city had its own style, each place had like competing artists, and there was a whole culture growing all over Europe. It, mm. was, uh, it was an amazing time, and to have been part of that and going to, I remember going getting a train with my friends, like a rucksack full of like graffiti cans, and like mm. we went over to this jam, right, in this other city. And like took a three-hour train ride, like stayed there just with some with some people on the sofa, you know. Mm-hmm. Went out, made did graffiti, and like there was this sense of connectivity all of a sudden, right at that time. And all of these little and they were these were not these were just kids like hanging out, um, and like they put on a jam or something. It wasn't like oh they became superstars later or anything, right? There wasn't that trajectory. It was just like people hanging out together. Mm-hmm doing stuff and you knew to some extent that this would end because you would you know grow older and like you know, have certain responsibilities but but then some older kids like some 30 year old kids were there as well you know and i yeah. i remember doing that lifestyle until very recently actually until like a few years ago i was still like out on jams and like you know going to parties and mm-hmm. like this and that and you know so only now i'm just like a bit a bit more slow mm-hmm. because of baby, you know. I've got baby, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we all grow old. We mm. all grow old, and rap changes, and yeah. then we look in, we go, "I don't yeah. recognize this. this. Is not rap anymore." Yeah. Well, listen. I tell you, we we've we've done a stretch now. So, um, thanks for coming on, Pally. Um, man, it's been a pleasure, Johnny. Talking about loads of stuff there, and I'm sure everybody will appreciate hearing all sides of, of like. You know, uh, exploring hip hop like we've done. Mm. Uh, it's such a special time. Fifty years. It's going to be uh, wonderful. I mean, to see what comes next because yeah. it's already so complex and yeah, yeah, yeah. rhymes and rhythms are already at such yeah. a, a peak. I can't yeah. even imagine what's in the future. So yeah, thanks. Thank you, man. Yeah, we're organizing a conference actually on fifty years of hip-hop and, and this notion of archiving hip-hop. Where can people uh, find that? 
uh, I can show you, send you the link. Oh, that's good, I'll put it in it's, the description. Yeah, it's at the Open University, um, uh, 28th, 29th of September, we got like a local ex Milton Keynes exhibition of Milton Keynes hip hop since the 80s. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it's like Barry Watson, peace out to Barry Watson. He puts, puts together this exhibition at the moment. It's going to be dope and going to be keynote speakers and you can participate online as well. So you don't have to come to Milton Keynes necessarily. But yeah, <laughs> Which is probably a good thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a bit far off for some people, but at the end, uh, on the other hand, it's like quite central and a lovely place to be. It's, uh, it's a satellite city it's it's, it's, a, it's a city made in the field mm -hmm. 40 years ago or something yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, is milton Keynes the place with the concrete cows i don't know if they have concrete cows they have I concrete they have roundabouts cows. yeah they have a lot of those around that path yeah excellent well that sounds good and nice it'll one. all be in description thanks to everybody for listening to the news post podcast